great to be here with you in Peterhead, in this lovely place where they have the best fish in all of the country. But I didn't come here to eat fish, even though I do every time I come to Peterhead. I come to see you. Okay, doesn't that sound nice? And um, so anyway, Ruth, my wife, said to say hi to you. My wife, of, it's 40 years this year since I first kissed her. How about that? 40 years. But we've only been married 37, right? Okay, but we got married 37, but that, we, we, were, we were boyfriend, girlfriend for three years. And this is our 40th year we're going to celebrate since we met each other. And amazing how time flies when you're having fun. And uh, so it's great to be here, Ruth said, to give you her love. And so I'll give you some and I'll keep the rest for myself. And, um, but I am ruthless today. Okay, all right. <laughs> I am ruthless. <laughs> and uh, so um, Ruth is just preparing for her ladies' conference. Um, we have our, our annual vivacious conference, which normally there is one in Aberdeen and one in Brighton. But this year, because the lady couldn't come to Scotland, do two, the lady come from America, so there's only one in Brighton. Because I know some of you asked me, where is the ladies' conference? Well, it's, it's actually um, fly south one hour, and that's where it will be. So I'm um, having the ladies' conference down there, and it's this week, and so Ruth is really busy doing that at the moment, and so the ladies will have a great time. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it's good to see you all. Many of your friends, I, I know I know some of you um, from when I've been here many times, Jason leading praise and worship, doing a phenomenal job, opening up the heavens as we worship God. It takes a lot to be a praise and worship leader. Oh, I did that for two years, you know that? Amazing. And I still can't sing in tune. And they, yet they had me there for two years doing it. It's a miracle. We believe in miracles in church that people still came back every week. And I, couldn't st- I still cannot sing in tune. I'm not like Duncan. I can hear him singing like anything. But oh, Jason, but I can't sing in tune. I can't even clap to a beat of a drum. The biggest pressure I feel in church is when the song leader thoughtlessly said, everyone clap with me. And I think I have to look around to see when they're doing it because I can't, I'm just not, I'm not, it didn't, there was no music on the farm where I was brought up. You know, I was brought up on the bush, there was no music. I heard about Beatles somewhere, but that was it. I never had music. There was no, I lived in the, in the bush of Australia. We didn't, we had no music. And now I had to come to church and I lead songs and preach and, and everyone's singing. And I think, I listened to a bit of Eurosong last, Eurovision last night. I think, how strange is Europe? How, how mixed up is Europe? How mixed up is our Europe? But we must believe that God's grace can prevail in Europe. Can you believe that God's grace can still prevail? Can you believe that? And uh, anyway, but uh, amazing talent some people have, that they can sing. And Jason, thanks for doing that amazing work. You know, our churches, like Duncan said, used to be called Christian Outreach Centre, Christian Outreach Centre, and that's what began in Australia over 40 years ago, was our movement of churches called Christian Outreach Centre. And they spread into many countries, and we work in about 40 different countries of the world. And and then uh, we had leader Clark Taylor, and then he became... Uh, he um, then left the ministry, and then another man called Neil Myers took over. Well, four years ago, I was, I was elected as the, the international president of our group of churches. It's very odd, really, because I have forbid Ruth to go there for, for seven years. I said, Ruth, you, I don't want you going there. I forbid my wife to go. A bit crazy, I know, but 
But I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was brought up as a good Baptist boy. I couldn't understand. I thought they looked like they were on drugs. And so when I came as a visitor one time to this church called Christian Outreach Center, I said, Aretha, if you're going to be my wife. It was during those three years when boyfriend and girlfriend I went to see her one weekend. I said, if you're going to be my wife, I don't want you ever going back there ever again. She said, why? I said, I think they've had drugs and booze before the meeting, and I think they're going to have a lot more afterwards. I said, I think I, I would prefer it if you didn't go there. And anyway, but, but God is a God of grace. And, and then over a period of time, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I joined Christian Outreach Center to actually, because um, I want to be, to, I, I got baptized in one of these churches. And then, because now they were springing up everywhere. And, I, and, and then later on, I became a pastor of Christian Outreach Center. And then things went on and, and then I became the international president of Christian Outreach Center. of the very churches that I forbid my wife to go to for seven years, I lead. And so that was our name of our churches, was Christian Outreach Centre. And it was, it was a bit funny, really, because now I'm the leader of all these churches really in the world, and, and of which this Kairos Church is one of those churches. And so um, then I was elected as the international president. And then only in the last, this year, some of our churches in Australia really felt like it was time for a name change. We just change our name, like change our name. There's nothing holy about your name, I Ruth was called Smith, and now she's called Shmira. <laughs> and um, Smith was, my, 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 my father-in-law said everyone was called Smith until they did something wrong. <laughs> and that was, Ruth was called Smith, and then she did something wrong, and she married me, and so she became Shmira. And, um, but, uh, but so we changed our name, and, and they changed their name, and we really looked into a lot of it. This is just a little bit of, before I preach, we looked, really looked into it as to whether or not change their name. And I like Christian Harrison, I really like that name because that was where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I listen to the young people, and I'm 68 now, and maybe I might be a leader for another 10 years or so, I don't know, see how long ago. My, mother, my grandmother lived to 112, so I don't know how long I'll be leading for. But, but, um, um, but then I listen to the young people, and, I, and they all said, yes, we like this new name called International Network of Churches, INC. We really like it. So I listened, I put a little feelings just to listen. Okay, 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 okay. And then I just waited up in my heart with God. And I said, God, what will we do? And I really felt the Lord say, go with it. Go with it. And I said to the young people, you'll be carrying this name for 30 years. This is the movement of churches that you're a part of. I might only do it for 10 years, but you'll be carrying it for your lifetime now. Because you don't change your name every year. And so and they say, okay, so now we call International Network of Churches or INC. And that's our name across the world. And uh, so my job is, is international president, but also to oversee. It sounds like, oh, well, international president, what does he do? This time next week, I'm in Warrior, Nigeria. And I'll probably come to church with bodyguards because they, not by my choice, but because they want to protect me down there. And I'll have armed guards in the, in the car in front of me and armed guards before me because it's a fairly violent country and, and people want to get kidnapped and everything like that. So they look after me next week down there which I didn't need any armed guards coming here to Peterhead um, today. But one of the jobs of what I do is I oversee churches. Um, I look after churches. I, that is the job commissioned before me, before God. It's not, it's not something that I would have chosen. I wanted to just, I just wanted to win the world for Christ. That's what I did. I door knocked my whole town about three or four times over before I ever went, ever became a pastor. I knocked on every single door. Three times, three or four times, I knocked on every door. I knocked on every door 30 miles in every direction from where I lived. Every single road in 30 directions, I knocked on every single door. 
to tell people about Christ in the fire that burned in my heart just to tell people about Christ and and sometimes people would come and join our church and they would say oh pastor I'm very sorry at how I treated you when you came to my door (laughs) I'm very sorry I slammed my door on your face but anyway I was all right but not many did that and but must have been one of the two or the one of the ones that joined our church but, 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 but it was that fire that burned in my heart and burned in our soul. And, and Ruth and I went into a dream to, to minister and to preach the gospel. And, and so we pastored, was a senior pastor of a church for over 25 years as a senior pastor of a church, overseeing churches. And then we become leaders to oversee churches. And so um, in that capacity, I come here today. Not in a capacity just as an itinerant preacher to say, who are you, Fred? Um, I come as a, presently, that is the God commission role of my life, is to oversee this church. If one day this church is not one of our churches, it won't be my job. But presently, and under Duncan's um, willingness, that is what my role is. I take that role incredibly seriously. I, I don't do it just before you, I'd have to do it before God. Because that is the role of what was it. it And before I ever came into this capacity, and this is why I love your pastor very much, before I came into the role as international president, Ruth was up here in Peterhead two years before. And Duncan came out of his bedroom, and Ruth was downstairs in the house. Duncan came out of his bedroom and said to Ruth, the Lord has spoken to me, and two years from this time, Ashley will become the international president of our churches in the world. And so I treasure the gift, the great gift of God. And when Ruth told me that, I laughed. I said, fat chance of that. But I didn't ever go for titles because titles, who cares about titles? People don't follow titles. Even Braveheart said that. They said they follow courage. And so people just don't follow a title. But it was actually two years from the very date, two years from the very date that Ruth was in Duncan's house, from the very date I was appointed as the international president of our churches in the world. So honour the great gift that is on your pastor as a prophet that has spoken into my life. And I honour him in that capacity. And he's affected my life and he's affected our movement. And I've seen the great gift on him when when he's been in other countries, when he's travelled with me to to India, to Nepal, to other countries uh, where I know he's been in, in many places. And so I come in that capacity to you just to say, I really care about you as a church. I pray much for you. And I pray much for what you have been through over this time. What you have been through as a church um, is, is, is incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult. It is one of the few times that I've pastored on overseeing churches in, in, uh, in 30 years of overseeing churches. It is very rarely that I've ever seen the situation of what you've had here in Peterhead and walked through. It's actually not happened to me before. Where, where, where the mother of the church has left and decided, I, w- I want to leave. It has not happened before to me. So I've prayed much for you. I've rung your pastor, Duncan, every two we- weeks. I chat to him. I talk to him. I talk about his heart. And so in that capacity, I come here today to, to bring the love of Christ to you, to say that you are in our prayers and the prayers of other people in our movement. People have asked me from Australia to Britain to other countries from, from here, from Nepal and India and Egypt, who know your, your, your leader, Duncan, uh, to say, look, we, we really care about him. And so uh, I come to you today to bring God's grace and to bring God's love. And I just want to say you keep the faith and keep it strong.
I was on the plane here, coming up here, to flying up here, and I had my iPad here. And I just wrote something, which I'm going to read to you, because I think it's just like Paul wrote letters to the churches. I was sitting on the plane, and I wanted to write a letter to you. And I said, in the letter to the Peterhead Church, Thank you for standing with Duncan. I commend Duncan on his hard attitude through a very difficult time. We love Duncan, Kath and Fraser. It is a tragedy that Kath is not here with us, but keep believing and uphold them in your prayers. Peterhead Church came under attack, but the people rose up and prayed. The people rose up and stayed together. The enemy sought to bring confusion and discouragement, but God prevailed. You have shown maturity and grace. What the enemy meant for harm, God will turn for good. Because the enemy of our soul and of the church always overplays his hand. Be vigilant, be prayerful, be discerning and be watchful in these days. Make sure as a church that you do not lose hope and faith in marriage. And what has come under attack in this church, do not lose hope and faith. We go through trials and we go through testings. But every single one of you know the preciousness of marriage of which Duncan adheres to in his heart. We don't know why the things happened that happened. But I stand with you, I stand with Duncan, and I stand with Kath. And we stand and stay believing in a God of miracles. Amen. Amen. And I just really, I care for that. As a church, you now must fulfill the purpose that God has for you together. You cannot excuse that purpose. God has got a purpose for you as this church. A church is not a gaster gathering of people. You can have that at a conference. A church is not just a people come together. People come together, you can hire, hire some building somewhere and they come together for a conference and they will disappear. A church is not even just when they, you say, or say this church says, I started, we started this church 10 years ago on such and such a date. I've been to a lot of those first meetings and they're not a church. All they are is a straggly bunch of people who wanted to come along and hear someone preach. But a church usually gets started months and months afterwards. After the first meeting is really when a church starts. You know when a church starts is when the candlestick of the flame of the Lord comes in their midst and the presence of God comes. It's not just when someone opens up a building and says the church began on this day. A church actually gets established when people get committed to each other and in love they serve each other in the vision of God for them as a family that are together. That's what a church is. Because we're involved in planning churches. I go to Manchester. I'm going to go leave Brighton, Brighton home. I'm going to live in Manchester for 12 months from January on, onwards because we've got a, probably our best young leader that we've raised up for many, many years. He's going to Manchester to plant a church. And he said, Ashley and Ruth, would you come with us and help us and be a mother and father in the church while we plant the church? And so I said, oh, Ruth, how about that? We're going we're to go and live in Manchester for a year. Do I love Manchester? Not particularly yet, but I will. I've hardly I've only been there. I've only been to Manchester once or twice. And, and, but I, I believe in Ben and Beck who are going to go there. And I, I believe in the grace of God on their life. And, in the, and I want to help them to be able to get established. But the first day they open their church won't be when the church began. They might have a few little flashy lights and everything. But it won't be. You know what a church is? A church is a family. 
A church is a body. A church is a family that are committed together. And that's why in the book of Revelation, when the Bible talks about, he says, say these things to the seven churches. And, and he said, otherwise I'll remove the candlestick. But when the candlestick's removed, is the presence of God is removed. And then there's, whatever you got? you just got a group of people there, like, a, like something, it's, it's, it, that's all it is. But the presence of God is in this church. You are committed together to this church and to, the, and to the vision that burns in your heart. It's like, that's why churches are a miracle. Because God, it's actually God that establishes the church and God is the one that puts that, 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 that candlestick, which is the flame of God that burns. Many times I've met churches in my life. I'm a church boy. I've been, when, when, when I was born, my father wasn't walking close to the Lord. So my mother brought me to church and de- the pastor dedicated, dedicated me. My mother brought me. But a few years later, my dad got recommitted to God and, and walked with God until he died. And, and, but, but, but thank God for my mother. I sent her a message because it's Mother's Day in Australia today. I said, Mum, you're the best in the mum in the whole world. And I said, I wanted to marry you when I was a little boy. <laughs> I used to tell her that. I wrote notes and, and put them in the toaster. And when she got up in the morning to have toast, she would have to see these notes. I want to marry you one day, Mum. <laughs> but a church is a, is, is a miracle. A church is a, is a family. A church is a body. A church is a body, and the Bible says this, that if one part is hurting, the whole part hurts. You ever found that? Ever been doing a bit of DIY or something like that, and you hit your thumb, and one part hurts, the whole part hurts. It wasn't, you, wasn't your, your, your head that got hit with the hammer, hammer, it was your thumb. But all of a sudden, your head said, ow, because we're all connected together. And that's the thing about church. And that's the thing about this church, is that you're connected together. And even though there's been obvious, there's been a bit of, there's, 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 there's obvious, there's pain. But, but at times like this, just stand up and be a bigger person. Stand up and give love to somebody else and encourage somebody else and put your arm around them and encourage them. I learned that through the hard way when I was 19 and my father died of a brain tumour. And my mother, and we owned, she owned, I had a brother of 12 and a sister of 5. And I can still remember hearing my mother cry herself to sleep at night time. She had to be a, be a, be a, a also now like a, a mother and father to the, the, her little children. And, 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 and I didn't want it to happen. I wanted my dad. But things happen which we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a, we live in a wretched world sometimes. Eh? You know, as I, we live in a world of pain, of, of suffering, of, of heartache. I think every day as you would be thinking about the girls that have been kidnapped in Nigeria and, and I think about the pain. I think about the pain of the people that were, and the relatives of people that were on that MH370 flight that disappeared in the ocean with no record ever of them and, 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 and think about the pain. I think about the pain. I've travelled through Syria many, many times and, and I've preached the gospel in Aleppo, which is half destroyed, and, and Homs. I've been there to that, where you see the city that's all destroyed. And, and we have churches presently somewhere in Syria, which we don't know where they are. I've been through that beautiful country, and it's a beautiful country. And, but the, the pain of what those people go through. 
I was in Ukraine two weeks ago and I walked down the street of where 89 people were shot dead in one day on the 20th of February and there's photographs all down there and photographs of these people that were shot dead, innocent, just civilians that were shot dead and photographs of young men and young women that were just shot dead on that, on that, in the centre of Kiev. We live in a, a world that is racked with pain and racked with pain and, and suffering that is in this world. But one of the problems is, if we think about all the time about us, and us, and we think about us, and, but, but, but uh, we become more self-centered. And, but it's not about us. It's about others. It's about Jesus who came to this world, and he came to this world. He left his home in glory, and he came into the most vulnerable place in the world, in the womb of a woman. And, and then he came and walked in this sinful world, and, and Jesus... Jesus must have, when he went up the mountain and prayed, he must have thought, Jesus, what am, oh God, Father, what am I doing here in this wretched, sinful world? But we have got a job to do, and you've got a job to do, and you've got a job to do in this church. And every single one of you in this church is very, very, very important. I've said oftentimes there's three sorts of people that are in church, three sorts of people. And apart from you, if you're a spectator, you're the fourth. But, but if you're three sorts of people, there's some people who come because of the light. Think of the old lantern. We don't have them too much today. But where there's an old lantern, there's a lantern, a candlestick. You know, some people come to get light from the candlestick. And that's nice. It's okay. It's good. We receive light from the scriptures. The light gets preached to us. The gospel is, is a light unto our path. and lights our pathway. Some people come to church to be to get the light. And that's good reason to come to church. It's not a bad, it's a very good reason to come because where else are you going to get it? You've got to come and get the instructions of the light. That's good. Other people come to church because of the warmth that comes from the flame because she's a pretty lonely world out there and they get warmth in church and they, you come and you, you get the warmth in the, in the, in the fellowship and, and, you, and you, 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 you like to be together as a family. That's good. Man, I love church. I'm, I'm, people say, what are you going to do when you're the interna- no longer international president? I'm going to join a church and gonna be, try to be some house group leader. I'm going to hopefully some pastor will let me be a house group leader in a church. Or if they don't let me do that, I'll say to them, what can I do? I've been brought up in church all my life. Would you please trust me or something? Maybe I can line up the chairs after everyone's finished a meeting or something like that. I, I want to be around church. Some people come to church because there's friends there. That's a good reason. The warmth there. There's warmth. But then there's another, th- another, another type of people who come to church. And when they come to church, and all during the week, they are tending the flame to make it burn brighter. They're actually twi- trimming the wick and helping that flame to burn to the maximum. I want to say to you, endeavour to be one of those people. Endeavour to be one that makes the flame burn brighter that is in the church it's okay to come and to get teaching it's okay to come to receive the fellowship that's sweet but really how can we make this flame in Peterhead burn a lot brighter than what it's burned before how can we take what the enemy has meant for harm and turn it around for great good how can we actually make this, this flame burn brighter and brighter in this place? That'll be like a lighthouse here. That'll, that'll, the light will be, that'll, that'll go out into that darkness. Let's be mature Christians. Let's be, 
believers and not doubters. Let's believe in the miracle that can happen in people's lives. I want to say to every one of you, you're a miracle and this church is a miracle. What you've been through is not, it's, it's very unusual. But it'll be a great testimony. So keep believing. I commend you, Duncan, you are a great man. I love you dearly. You are a great man. And, uh, and you deliver the word very, very well. And um, uphold your pastors in prayer. And let's be a family. Let's be a family. I love church. Don't you love church? Do you love church? I mean, just to believe in the church. That Jesus gave his life for the church. He gave his life. He gave his life. One man came to me one day in my church in Brighton when we were starting the church many years ago. And he said, uh, Ashley... I could see he's come. I thought he was going to say something very courageous as he walked up to me. I could, I could tell he was, he was gripping for something. You know, sometimes people come up to you, you kind of feel there's something very, very important that they're trying to muster up to say to you. And um, as he walked up to me, it's like, he got this sincerity become so obvious. He said, Ashley, I'll die for you. I mean, it was so incredible. I mean, one, where will I send him? Where will I send him? I mean, where will I, where will I send him? He, he wants to die for me. Where, will, I, will I send him into battle somewhere? Send him to be a martyr somewhere? I, I said, uh, I don't really need you to die for me right now. But I said, really, because I said, if everyone had that attitude, I'd have no workers. <laughs> I said, I, I really need you to live for me. <laughs> I said, I really need you to live for me, not to die for me. And, uh, and uh, he got this bit of a funny look on his face. And, and, um, and um, about two years later, he stopped coming to church. He just told me he stopped coming to church. And I thought, man, it's time for a visit. So I went. He came to the door. Ashley, it's so good. Come in, have coffee. I said, hey, I'll have coffee. I said, but remember two years ago, you said that you're going to die for me. And when I said that, it's amazing because that same look came over his face. He said, Ashley, and I still would. But he hasn't, he stopped coming to church. He said, I still would. I said, that is fantastic. Because today is the day. (laughs) I said, die to your stinking, miserable attitudes that are taking you out of church. Die to those stinking attitudes that are robbing you right now. And so he's back in church. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? So when you have great heroic moments at times like that, when you come to Duncan and say, Duncan, I will die for you. Duncan will say, thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. I'll come with me when you come to Nigeria or something like that sometime. But really, I want you to live. Live not just for Duncan, but live for the kingdom of God. Live for the, for the cause of Christ. I, you know, there's an old song, I'm not going to sing it to you, but because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. That no matter whatever hell throws at you and comes against you with, because Jesus lives, it's not really just about us. It's about Jesus living and I can, you can face tomorrow. And you can grow up on the inside and 
And in that day, I had to turn the situation around when my dad died when I was 19. And I had to step into a role to be a father to my children. A father, not to my children, but a father to my sister and a father to my brother. And and to fill that void at only 19 years of age. When I had a cry in my heart wanting to have a father, I had to be a father to my younger siblings. So in a time like that too, you may have a bit of a feeling of where I, I speak to, just to particularly to the mothers right now, to the women. That to every one of you, women right now, you can step up and be a mum. Step up and, be a, and help somebody else and just, just to be a mum. We need more mums in church. We need more mums. Okay. And we're only here for a little while. So let's heal this broken world. Let's take God's love to this world. And uh, because there's a hurting world. Uh, someone told me a statistic this last week that every single day the world is increasing in population by 200,000 people. Every single day. The world is increasing in population. Yet when you think about what they're being born into, they're born, being born into such pain and such everything like that. And, but you know, we've got to be able to bring God's love into Peterhead. This is your Jerusalem. This is your, this is your home. This is, you are the place. This is your place. Some people say, I, I said to, I said to some, one, one young guy when we started our church in Brighton, I said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I, said, I, I want to see the world saved. I said, well, let's get our neighbour saved. Let's reach out to people and friends that, wherever we are. There's one verse that is, that's very much in my heart at the moment. I'm just going to read this verse to you. And um, it's in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. Because I believe that God is going to move so mightily in these coming years. I Honestly, I, I believe that when God looks at this world that's increasing in population by 200,000 every single day, and these are, maybe these are, we're definitely in the end times. How long the end times go for, I don't know. The end times, we are in the end stages. May go for 20 years, 5 years, 10 years, 50 years. I don't know how long this will, but we are in the end of the end. I really believe that God is going to move so greatly in these days. I, got, I just believe that the God that has said that, that would raise up the church is going to, and then greater outpouring in the last days is going to happen before Jesus comes back. I believe that because God loves this world. I believe that with all of my heart that, that, that the outpouring at the end times is going to be the greatest harvest that this world has ever seen. I, I believe that. I believe just like when Jesus rose from the dead and the, and the disciples were out there on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and Jesus said to them when they said they hadn't been out there fishing and they hadn't caught anything all night. And, and Jesus said to them, throw the net on the other side. And, and they threw it in and, and, they, and they came in and, and the Bible says it was 153 big fish. And the nets were at breaking point. And, and so they, they brought all these fish in and, 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 there was, and, and Jesus already had fish that was already there. The Bible says he already had fish that was already cooking there. There's already fish. I believe that in the last days there's going to be such big catch of fish that Jesus was telling to us, it's not by our own efforts, but it's actually his grace that's going to bring a great salvation to this world. But you know... I believe that the masses of people out there in Peterhead and in Britain and in our confused Europe 
is going to, is God is going to move across this land. I believe it with all of my heart. I want to say, be a believer. Don't be a doubter. Be a believer. There's a club in Britain called the, the British Skeptics Society. They would be a hard bunch to preach to. Don't belong to the Scottish Skeptic Society. Belong to believers. We are believers to believe that we have something so great in his love, something so great, so amazing that God has given to us that we can take it to this world. And I believe that the mass of Harvest Field, but this is the church here and a few other groups meeting together today in Peterhead. But only a small group of people meeting together to the masses of people that are outside those walls, to the masses of them that are outside. Maybe only two, three, four percent of people that are meeting together are in church to the masses outside. Well, it tells me that God has a big heart for the lost people that are out there and he really cares about them. And I look at you nice people here today. You look at such nice people in here but I look at the people out there and my heart, I think a lot about the huge numbers out there. Do you know that back in the 1970s, there was a great move of God that happened across the whole world and many of the Western, in the Western world in particular. And it moved even amongst hippies and, and there was a, and, and, and many hippies. And I, many of these were, uh, I wasn't any uh, hippie, by the way. There was, hippies weren't on the farm either. <laughs> but, uh, but there were, but, but these guys that had long hair and, and they were on dope and everything. Like that. And, and Jesus came and met with them. You've heard of the, the Jesus, the, the Jesus people. You've ever heard of the Jesus people? Okay, they had long hair and Jesus, you know, there was a mass across Australia and across, I know, New Zealand and, 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 and one of my, my closest friends for many years, he was, a, he was a, a, a New Zealand Jewish man and he was one of the revolutionary leaders of New Zealand. He, was a, he had long hair, he used to lead the marches in New Zealand of all sorts of peace marches and, and everything like that. An amazing story of this man's life. He was a Jewish man and... Um, and he, he was leading this, and, and he was on the front page of a newspaper one day as a leader of the, of the radical peace movement in the 1970s against war in New Zealand. And against, of course, New Zealand was thinking about war in, in, um, in um, Vietnam and everything like that. And so, so and, and, and a lady and a Christian cut out his page, uh, his, his, his photograph and put it on her wall and started to pray for him. And prayed for him, and she prayed for him every single day. And then one day there was a guest speaker coming to preach. And this man came in to preach. And she said, you are the same man that's on my wall, only you had long hair. She said, I, he's, I was the leader of the peace movement. And she had got, he got saved, went to Bible school, and now was preaching in churches. And she had never even known that he had come to the Lord. Isn't that an amazing story? He was, a, he was a leader across New Zealand. He was, became one of my friends. But you know, he told me this, that the churches didn't embrace the hippie movement. They didn't embrace it. They, didn't, they said, no, no, because you've got long hair. We, we, you know. and, and so they, they found like they were like misfits. I want to say to you, the world out there is, 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 is so broken. It is a broken world. It is a broken world that is out there. And there's a situation here in Acts chapter 15, verse 15, which is really amazing because up until Cornelius, the church was totally Jewish. 
The whole church was Jewish until Cornelius got saved. And Cornelius was the first Gentile that, got, that really is recorded as, as, as being saved. And then the church was just, the bulk of them was all Jewish. And the Jews at that time, they say, had six, over 600 rules and regulations. They had rules. We know some of the rules, you know, they tested Jesus with about, you know, one guy who carried his bed. He shouldn't have been carrying a bed on Sunday, on, a, on the Sabbath. So that was one of the rules. Another one of the rules, they were, they were eating a bit of corn and they got, you know, they shouldn't be eating the corn. There's all these sorts of rules that the Jewish people had. Lots and 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 lots of rules. And so, but, but here we have in Acts chapter 15, the story when there was a, a huge numbers of Gentiles started coming to Christ. Massive numbers of Gentiles. Huge numbers of Gentiles. Figures that I believe that in these days coming, we will see in Britain and we'll see in Scotland and we'll see in Europe. Because God loves this land. But, but you know, there was a big problem. Because there were some guys there that said they had to be circumcised. This is one way to stop a move of God real quick. <laughs> As one guy to stop, I mean, this was one of the rules. In order to be in God's family, you had to be circumcised. But all of a sudden, there's a masses of them coming, and there's this big argument started to happen in church. Because God's grace was saving huge numbers of people out there, and they were the Gentiles. But the Jews were the, the Jews were the, 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 the God's people and chosen people, and and, and, and but they 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 they, they were all circumcised. And so there's a big dispute came that we've got to circumcise them. <laughs> it was just a big, big, big problem. And then all, what about, well, if we do that, you can just imagine the argument. If we do that, well, what about all the other rules that we've got? Maybe we should make them like us and they've got to obey all the single rules that we have got. And I just, and I've looked at this, and I've looked at this verse in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. And this is Jesus, the, bro, the James, the brother of Jesus, who made this statement. The brother of Jesus made this statement. He said, it is in my judgment that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. I just love that verse. In my judgment, we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. And I looked at that verse. And, and here they had all these rules and rules and rules. I have certain rules to my life. These are my rules. I have certain rules. These are rules, but they're not the rules that God has got for them people out there. And then they said, four things I want them to do. And they came up with, they didn't have to be circumcised. Four, four, only four things. They had to abstain from sexual immorality, not to drink, um, eat the, the things that have been strangled, not to drink blood. There's just four things. He said, let's, let's make it very easy for the Gentiles to come to God. Let's make it very easy. I want to say to you, in the massive move of God that God wants to sweep across Peter head with, let's make it easy for Gentiles to come to God. I'm saying Gentiles because I'm saying, Gentiles, I know that in the Bible here, and God loves the Jewish people. I am actually, my name is Jewish. I found out when I went to Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum that 44 Shmiras died in the Holocaust. I found out that my ancestry was Jewish before it went to Australia. And when my ancestors immigrated from Australia, from Germany to Australia, in the 1850s, they actually changed their, uh, left their Jewish heritage behind because they had so much persecution over hundreds and hundreds of years. They actually changed and said, no, we are Gentiles. I believe passionately in the, God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people. I believe passionately in God's plan. 
But I do not believe, and, and I believe that the Gentiles are not automatically symbolic of the unsaved. But here in the Bible, it was the Gentiles who were the lost people. The Jews were the God's people at that time. And so we now are God's people. Understand that. We are God's people here. We are, we are, we are God's people. We are the, the chosen people of God, have been grafted into that covenant, and, and that's us. What we've got to do is make sure is that we haven't developed some sort of attitudes like the Jewish people had, that all these things they have got to do. Because if God wants to move and bring the hippies in or bring them in, let's bring them in. I remember one of my first jobs as a pastor when I went into ministry after I stopped being a farmer. And I, was, I, and I went and this guy got saved in our church and he was a hippie. And when I went to see him, he, where he was, was on a nudist colony. And he'd, come to, he'd put clothes on to come to church and found Jesus in our church. But then he went back, took his clothes off, and that was where he was. We are in North Queensland. It wasn't Peterhead. It was in the nice tropics. <laughs> and my, fir- my first jobs in ministry was to go to a nudist colony and to counsel this guy. And, to, and, to, and, and I mean, it was like, it was very unusual, really. I was the most clothed man in the whole complex, really, and and uh, and, I, and and I had to like not um, just, um, just and and do you know something? Do you know something? Do you know something? It was only a matter of a few months, and he left the commune, and he became a COC pastor. One of our pastors in Australia is this man, who came from a nudist colony, and then became a pastor. Isn't that amazing? But we just had to, just had to bring God's love to him, and, and and not be a whole lot of rules, but 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 lead by example, and 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 to love, because Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbour as yourself. He said, hey, this hangs all of the other commands, on to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. In our in our lounge room, I have a very big mirror. In our lounge room down there. And you know if you want to hang up something very big, you've got to have two, not just one stake. Two, two things. Because, because you need to hold it in greater balance. Jesus said, every command is hung on love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, you know what that tells me? Every test that the enemy brings against our life. Every challenge, everything that the enemy throws at us is to try to get us to separate from one of those two commands. Either to get us to doubt God, no longer trust God, no longer, well, okay, God, you've made it easy for some and hard for me. I don't know why, God, you have let me down. Or you start not loving people like you used to love them. And then you get bitterness towards people. Let's, let's carry the love of God. Let's carry the love of God. Let's carry the love of God. When I live in Brighton, I have in my street, we have out of the five houses in my street, two of them uh, are gay men that are in the, my street in Brighton. Two of them are gay men. And five um, times one of my neighbours said to me, Ashley, why don't you come and play, watch football with me? He said, I've got a free ticket. Come. Here's my gay neighbour. And I, this was very unusual, really, but I thought, I said to Ruth, and Ruth said, Yeah, you should go. And all these, I told one of my, David Harlan down there, I said, Dave, what do you think? He said, Yeah, go. 
And it took me about six months. And finally, I'd been asked five times. I said, yep, I'm going. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to, going to watch football with my... I just... And it was not... Too, it was not and you know something? I had the best time that I have probably had for three or four years in sharing. I didn't go to preach. I said, this is what I said to Ruth. And I said to the Lord, I said, when I go, I said, I'm not going to preach to him. I'm actually going to see what Jesus does while I'm there watching football. I want to see what Jesus does. I want to see what Jesus does. I'm not going to be out to get him. I'm just going to just see what Jesus does. I, so what I said to Jesus as I went that morning. I said, Jesus, you want to touch this man more than what I do. So I'm just going to let and see what you do through this friendship. Do you know I had the best time of sharing the gospel with anyone that I've had probably for the last four years. And I had to, didn't even do anything. All I did was answer questions. He said to me, that is a miracle. <laughs> he said, I said, I didn't say that word, you did. I said, do you want me to tell you another one? He said, yeah, okay. So I told him another one. He said, that is a miracle. He said, I'd like to go to your church one day, but you know what people think about us? I said, why don't you come along? I said, I think you'll enjoy it. You see, I want to bring Jesus to his life. It's a, see, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to this troubled world. It's only hope can come. We don't want people to be like us. We want people to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Let us reach and bring, and bring Jesus to this hurting world. And, and let's see what God does. Because I'm absolutely convinced there's going to be a great harvest. And I think if we want them all to be like us, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a big problem, really. They won't look like us. Man, they won't. But let's not live with regrets. Because this is the best time now. The enemy's come against you. Let the enemy pay a heavy price for coming against this church. Let the enemy pay a heavy price. You know, don't just, you know, sometimes you've got to, Christians got to stand up a little bit and, and fight a little bit for their faith. And not with natural aggression, but with a fight and a tenacity on the inside. And says, yes, I'll stand up. I'm, I'm, enemy, you are going to pay for this. I remember one time I was over in the Ukraine and my father had died of brain tumour. And I come, someone came up to me and said, um, and they said through a Russian interpreter, oh, this person over here, would you please pray for them? They have a brain tumour. They've only got four days left to live. They had seven days the doctor had given them and three days had gone. There was only four days left. And as I walked over there, I, I thought, oh, man, my own father died of a brain tumour. This person's only got four days left to live. What am I supposed to do? But all of a sudden, I felt, I felt something on the inside that said, you took my father. You're going to pay a price, devil, for this. Six months later, I was there and the bloke, this, I didn't recognize him because he was, he was like a bag of bones when I saw him last time. He walked up to me, shaking his jacket. I said, what? I said, what are you shaking your jacket for? He said, his, his wife said he bought this jacket for to be buried. <laughs> This was going to be his funeral, for his funeral, because they have an open coffin. And this was the jacket that he was supposed to wear. And, but now it's his, it's his resurrection one. And he was totally whole, totally 100% whole. I reminded the time when Melanie, our daughter, our oldest daughter, now she's got a PhD and works for Cambridge University. But our oldest daughter is a, is, um, was 16 and she got a brain, uh, not a brain, she got a, 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 a no, that was the other guy, she got a, um, a um, meningitis and she had uh, bacterial meningitis 
And uh, within one, within about 12 hours, she was unconscious. Um, we went to the hospital like two o'clock in the morning in the back of the ambulance. And the red lights, so just the red light was flashing, the ambulance just taking us through town, going straight through the lights. And everything was a daze. The doctors were waiting there. She was unconscious, 16 years of age. And uh, there was three or four doctors that were there working on our daughter. One of them just signaled like this. And um, in the middle of the night at like 2, 2.30 in the morning, and, and you, everything's in a daze. It's not a good place to be an accident emergency in Brighton at 2.30 in the morning. People coming in from fights and everything like that. And everything's like in a daze, and we're around that bed, and, 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 and the doctor just signaled to Ruth and I, and, they, and I'll, I'll never forget it. He took us outside the door, and he pulled down his mask. He said, we'll do our best to save her. But you need to prepare for the worst. They did not expect her to be alive by six o'clock that morning. They thought she was so close to going. They actually telephoned other doctors that were off on sleeping for the night to come in and see someone in the last stages before they die of meningitis. What are you looking at your daughter? They just lifted up a dress and put a, a syringe straight into her spine to get spinal fluid out of her spine without any deadening. You're looking at her. And you're just feeling so gutted. So gutted, probably like you felt sometimes, Duncan. Just gutted, like as though you're down and the enemy is kicking you and kicking you and kicking you. And everything's spinning in your head and just like... Just like as though, where is, what is, it's just spinning and spinning. And, and at the same time, trying to think, I've got to, just, I've got to hold it together for the sake of my family and my other daughter, Amy, and for Ruth. And, 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 what's, and everything's spinning. And all of a sudden, it, all of a sudden, it's just like something happened. It's, just, it's like as though when you're having a gas and you're putting on the gas and, and the gas is coming out the cooker and you think, if this thing doesn't go, it's gonna just, I'm going to have no hair left because it's going to all of a sudden, because it should, I mean, it should fire. And I'm, and I'm thinking, Jesus, where are you? Why is this actually happening? Why is this happening? And some of you have had those same thoughts. Why has this happened? Why, 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 why? Well, sometimes you don't get what answers to the why straight away. And, I, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I had this one little thought. And who knows, my daughter may be alive because of, I think of two things. One of them that I rang up Australia at that moment, I said, look, I am in desperate need. Please pray. Melanie could be dead within hours. And they're having a pastor's conference. And they all prayed. And that's why I'm glad that I'm in COC, INC movement today is because the pastors all prayed at that time that might have saved my daughter. Secondly, when I was there and I looked, all of a sudden, this is what I said, devil, if she dies, you are going to regret the day that you messed with my family. You are going to regret it. I'm going to hound you as long as I'm alive and that you took my daughter. You are going to pay severely. I didn't say it verbally, but I said it with every bit of my fight on the inside as I looked at her in a hopeless situation. All of a sudden, I had this little feeling that she was going to live. And I said, devil, if she lives, you're still going to pay that price. Now she's lived and she's got a master's degree, master's, PhD, 
Dr. Shmira, Lee. <laughs> I want to say to you, make the enemy pay for coming against your church. Make the enemy pay for coming against your life. Make him pay dearly in souls of people. Let this church be an oasis of love in the midst of a hurting world. Let it be a, a, a well of love in amongst of this hurting world. Be humble in your heart. Don't be proud. Be humble. We can say, we can say it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's easier said than done. It's very difficult to do it. We can say, oh, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith and faith in the Son of God. Actually, that verse is one of the most challenging verses I find in the whole Bible. It's no longer I who lives, because I don't want it. I want to live. My opinion, what I think, I want to live. I was telling Duncan and, and, um, and Esther yesterday, when they picked me up, I was just, I, I was, I've met a lot of people in my life, and I was... And um, I have a friend in Australia called David Harney. Dave Harney is, I was just thinking about a week ago, Dave's been one of the most men of integrity that I've ever met in my whole life. A real man of integrity. He's given away millions to the church. He's a businessman. An incredible integrity. He's been through tough times, hard times. I was just thinking about people of great integrity and the thousands of people I've met in my life. And Dave rates as one of the top. So I thought I'd just encourage him. I sent him a text. I said, Dave, I said, I just want to uh, encourage you that I've been thinking about integrity this last week. And you are one of the men of the highest integrity of anyone that I've ever met in this world. He wrote back a little bit of a funny text and said, Ashley, I found out as a businessman, the options, if I'm, I'm not a man of integrity, won't be very good because I'll be dealt with very quickly. <laughs> And I remembered how he used to have a very bad tongue, a tongue of criticism. I used to cut people down sometimes. He's a very smart man, but sometimes his, his tongue was so sharp. All of us have a little, little problem somewhere in our own life that hasn't quite died. Something of us, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. But there's something that still kicks all the time that hasn't quite died. You know what I mean? Even for people like Jason here, it looks like Jesus, but, but, he's, but I'm sure there's something of the old flesh man that still kicks. But we make excuses for the old flesh man that still kicks. But Jesus said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's what Paul said. He said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith, and faith is under God. What area of your old flesh man is still having that little bit of a kick? So Dave, had a, he had a problem, and I knew he had a problem. I used to be his pastor when I was in Australia, and I knew he had a problem. He had a problem of criticising people, even if it wasn't to their face behind their back. And he would speak, because he was so opinionated, he would say negative things sometimes. Apart from that, phenomenal. One day I got an email about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and it was from Dave. He said, Dear Ashley, the Lord has convicted me over my sharp tongue and my, my mouth of criticism towards other people. He said, from this day, if you ever hear me criticizing anybody ever again, I covenant and pledge to give you $10,000. He said, I have sent this email to everybody that I know. I was so, I mean, man alive. I thought, how can I get him to criticize somebody? I thought, how could I, could I possibly turn into the devil for a day? I mean, this could have vast rewards, really. 
I mean, and, and this was about seven or eight years ago. And, and, I, he, and then he, he, and I said to him, Dave, this is it. He said, I had to make the price big enough that I would never, ever do it again. I knew it was my part of my flesh that I struggled with for so long. You know what? To this day, to this day, honour and credit to him, I have not heard him criticise anyone at all. He knew his problem. He dealt with his problem. He said, that problem, I will pay a big price if I do that. It's one thing to say, Jesus, oh, please forgive me again. I'm feeling it. But sometimes we need a bigger price. You know, come with humble hearts and say to someone, I'm really sorry. Say to someone, I really appreciate make it. Make it hard for the thing to resurface in your life. So that the grace of God can come stronger on our life. Because that's the problem. The grace of God is not growing stronger. is because the old flesh man wants to keep living. But when it's Christ who lives within us, there is a great power that lives within us. So let us rise up today. Let us with love in our hearts, with passion in our hearts. Let's, let us stand up on the inside and say we love, we love, we love, we love. It's great to have you here, sir, from America to come here to Britain. We have got something in common. We're both missionaries. I just want to pray for you shortly. I'm moved by somebody I saw in the Olympic Games from America. He was, run, he was swimming in the Paralympics in London. His name was Bradley Snyder. I don't know whether you've ever heard of him. Never heard of him. He had inspired me so much. Because my, bro- my son-in-law was also serving in Afghanistan. And Bradley Snyder was serving in Afghanistan. And Bradley Snyder was a, a bomb disposal person, dismantling the, the improvised bombs. And, and Bradley Snyder was one day dismantling the bombs. And the bomb went off and took out both his eyes. he became become instantly blinded for life, taken out, out, these, out these things. You know what Bradley Snyder, this is a true story, You know what he says concerning that day that he lost both his eyes? He said, it was a relatively bad day of my life. It was a relatively bad day, the day that I did that, that I lost my eyes. But he said, I decided to not let the terrorists win. And I thought, what will I do? So he joined the America Swimming Club for the the Paralympics. And so he swam in the Paralympics totally blinded. They run a certain, they swim a certain way, having certain things on it, whatever. But he was totally, he was totally blinded. And 12 months to the very day that he lost his eyes in Afghanistan, he was standing on the podium of London Olympics and receiving the gold medal for swimming in, at the Olympic Games down there in London. And you never even heard the story. It's an amazing story. And he won, went on to win two gold medals at the Paralympic Games. But one of the times that quite amazed me was, was as the flag goes up, because he didn't sure wasn't where the flag was, because he's totally blind. He's on the podium, and some people came, and they, they took his shoulders, and they, they turned him towards the flag, because he needs to watch the flag as it's going up, but he was totally blind. So as the flag is going up, he's standing there, and he hears the national anthem playing of America. And as he hears the national anthem playing, he's, got, he's totally blinded. But from his blinded eyes, he's one of his, ear, his tear ducts is still working. And from a totally no eyes and his tear ducts, one stand, then coming down his cheek, you could see on the TV, one, a, a tear coming down as he heard the national anthem of America. I thought, that's love. I thought, that's passion. That's love. 
That even what the enemy meant for harm and, and took out his eyes, that he, he says, I'm going to do something, they're going to pay for it. I love my country. I thought that's what we need. Let us hear the national anthem of heaven. Let us hear it with heaven in our heart. Let us be branded with the love of God that's in our soul. Uh, what's your name again? Devon, come here, Devon. <laughs> I see the hand of the Lord is upon you, and I really felt when Duncan has spoken so highly of you the last uh, few months, he's spoken about this, this guy coming from America, and whenever he's uh, mentioned your name, he's, he's always says about how much he appreciates you and what you're doing, it's a good thing. And, and yesterday I really felt that the Lord wanted me to pray for you, and, and the Lord has, has, has he's got a, you've got a clean heart, and you're a man without guile, without guile and a clean heart, and and the call of God is upon your life. And, and the Lord is teaching you much. And in these years you will learn much and you will be taught much. And, and even though you come to, into this place to give, you'll also receive. Because the Lord is doing much in and through your life. And I, and I see that he's given you as a man, that you're a man with a vision. And though there be many obstacles, you, God has given you like eyes to see beyond an obstacle, to see beyond, like, like as though you, you see the, the valley on the other side of a mountain. You see, the, you see a way to get through it. And, and God is going to teach you much in the area of leadership and much in the area of strategy and, and much in the areas of the ways of people. And, and God has given you a good heart and a pure heart. And, and I see that people are going to gather themselves to you. And, and it's like gather themselves and say, yes, we, we, you know, if young people... And, and, and in leadership and I see your teaching principles and because God has made you as one that has got relationships and, and you love relationships and, and I see it in this house that, 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 that you've got uh, Duncan is like he's going to be like your father and I see the, the grace of God growing richly and strongly upon your life so, so the Lord says be confident and be strong that I have called you to this place and, and I will bless you every step and, and even though you will, you will see success but it will not be just the success that you thought or you dreamt up or you came up with it but, but because God has spoken you into these things and you're going to say to God be the glory great things he has done this is bigger and better than what I could have ever imagined when I was in America this could, bigger and better than I could have ever, that I could have ever, uh, ever envisaged because this is your calling. This is your calling. God has brought you to this house for such a time as this. My God, I pray for Devon. I pray for the grace of God to be upon his life. I pray God for, for seeing eyes in the spirit that will see like, my God, like, like Elisha could see in the spirit. And My God, I pray that you would teach this man much. Let him be a real pastor to the young. My God, let the grace of God be strong upon his life this day. The Lord says he's given you a good mind and he's given you a good heart. With your mind and your heart, you'll be a good leader. Father, touch this man. Let him hear the voice of heaven. Thank you, Lord. You're a good man, Devon. Jason. You're a good man, Jason. Ever since I've known you for many years coming up here, the way that you lead praise and worship. The interesting thing is when you lead praise and worship, you don't realize the effect of it. And it's actually God that's doing it. And all you're doing is there. You feel a little bit like a, a little bit, a bit funny, really, because he's the one doing it, but you're doing it. And, and, but God has seen the heart and the purity of your heart and the, the passion of your heart. And, and you give everything. 
There's, you give 100%. It's, you do not know what it is that to only give 90% or 60%. Or, you don't even think when it comes to how could people come and just come for the light or come for the, for the warmth. You are one that has, has actually tended the flame and, and make the flame burn brighter and brighter and brighter. And the Lord wants to commend you before these people that you, because of what you do, you actually bring openness of heavens and, and people come in this place. And, and even though some people come and they're harassed by a bad week, you actually, by the anointing that you open up, it's as though you make those demons flee away and, and they come under an openness of the heavens that's in this place. But the Lord says he's going to bless you, Jason. He's going to bless you. And I stand before you today to say that the Lord's blessings are going to be so poured out upon you at work, at family, at the church, at ministry. That even though you seem as though you, you have many hats, you come home and you have one hat in the house. You go to work and you've got another hat there. You come here to the church, you have another hat here. Sometimes you wonder when you leave your house, which hat will I wear? I've got so many different hats. But the Lord says he will bless you. And it's as though he will make more time available in your schedule, which seems as though it's very busy. But the Lord says as though he's going to lengthen the times and, and make things happen with a greater ease that's going to happen. And things which once was great pressure and seem to absorb time and take time and cause you a great concern. God is going to put the oil of the Holy Spirit and cause those things like just to move. Where there's been certain log jams that have been stuck there and causing a bit of stress. He's going to just push those log jams through and the oil of the Holy Spirit is just going to flow through it. And you say, wow, I've got a lot more time now because I haven't got so many problems. I mean, everything's just flowing. My God, I thank you, Lord, for Jason. I pray your blessing upon his, the work. I pray your blessings upon his family. And I pray your blessings upon the church ministry. And my God, I pray that all three will prosper greatly in Jesus' name. So let it be. So let it be. You have got broad shoulders to carry responsibility. It's just who you are. You carry it in your home. You carry it at work. You carry it in the church. You know how to carry weight and responsibility. My God, I thank you for this man. Bless him. Let him have a merry heart. Let him always have a joyful, merry heart that doeth good like medicine. To give the joy and that merry heart to others. I thank you, God. Such, such a pastor's heart, a shepherd's heart is within you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Esther, can I pray for you, Esther? Holy Spirit Holy Spirit the voice of a heart of a mother that has come forward and it's just amazing Esther that you care so much for people you pray for them as I took your hand the Lord said to me prayer warrior prayer warrior prayer warrior you have learnt and entered into a new phase of your life in this last year of prayer that you are praying you've always been a prayer but you are praying more fervently than you have ever done before and it's as though god says just speak esther just speak and i'll open the doors just speak and i'll open the doors. just say it say it say it don't think it just don't don't just think it but say it because that which you say you'll see happen my god i thank you lord for the access of esther to heaven my God, I thank you, Lord, for the purity of her heart. Bless her life mightily, I pray. And I thank you, Lord, for her. Let the strength of her spirit, Lord, minister to so many people. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the blessings upon her life. You will not lack in any good thing. My God, I thank you, Lord. Bless her hands. Bless the work of her life. Bless the ministry. My God, I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The gift of Bible talks about 
gifts and the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gift of faith, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation. But one of those gifts is the gift of wisdom. And the Lord has placed upon you the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom. Draw it out. Sometimes you'll say something to somebody and you'll say, wow, where did that come from? I didn't even think it. It just comes from the grace of God and the gift of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can I pray for you, Duncan? Father, I thank you, Lord, for this man. I thank you, Lord, for the richness in his soul, the richness in his heart for you, the passion and the sincerity of his heart. My God, I pray that your anointing would just rest upon Duncan's life in a special way. My God, my God, my God, we stand together with Duncan and Kath. We stand together with Duncan and, and believe for the grace of God to be so rich over this man. My God, I pray that the gift of God in his life will not be robbed, will not be stolen, but he'll grow from strength to strength to strength. My God, I pray that the grace of God silence any any accusations or any criticism, my God. I pray for such a buffer around his life and such a joy within his walk with you. My God, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray, God, that through this time there'll be even a greater richness of your spirit that will just move through his life. Let him be such a minister to others, such a servant to others, such a one that will bring blessings, one that will bring joy. My God, I thank you, Lord. Give him many sons and daughters in the ministry. Father, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for Fraser. I pray, God, that you'll touch Fraser right now. Right now, wherever he is. Wherever he is at this very moment. My God, minister to him, I pray. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord says, march on, my son. Be strong. Walk in the strength of the Lord. Just be strong. Feed on the heaven's food. And it's as though supernatural food is just going to flow into your heart. That you'll say, I have strength that I, I know not of. I know not where it's come from. But I feel strong on the inside. My God, thank you, Lord, for this man. Bless him. And let the grace of God to lead this church from glory to glory. Let it be upon him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for Peterhead Church. I lift this church and this people up before you. And I pray, God, for your spirit that would move so mightily in this house. I pray, Lord, for every single person, from the youngest to the oldest, to the earliest Christian to the oldest Christian. I pray for everyone. I pray, God, for the spirit of refreshment and the spirit of heaven just to come around their lives. I thank you, Lord, that if any go through difficulty, I pray, God, that you would sovereignly just put your hand underneath them and raise them up and lift them up. My God, I thank you, Lord, that, that we would hear your still small voice every day in every person of this church. I pray, God, that you would make us as people that will hear your voice. And discern your voice at these times. My God, I thank you that this church will be spoken of well throughout this whole town and this whole region. I pray, God, let this church be as a lighthouse that will be spoken of as well. 
And my God, I thank you for all that you're doing. Let there be a red carpet to welcome the unbelievers as they come to this place. We thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that you have prevailed even though the enemy came against us. You have prevailed and you have won. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, I pray for such great grace to be upon these people. I pray, God, for such great grace that would rest so richly upon this place. That anyone who walks within the doors of this place will say, wow, there's something special that is here. My God, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. If there are any weak place, if there are any, any hearts that be wounded or be bleeding, I pray, God, that you are the one that heals the brokenhearted. You are the one that brings healing where there is, where there is a, a hurt. I thank you, Lord, for your heart ministering. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just forgot your name, sir. I just forgot. I was talking to you before. You came with me to India and Nepal. What's your name? I'm just mental block. My, my eh? Alec, yeah, I was in heaven. and I just. <laughs> but Alec, um, the Lord wants to say to you that there's such a strength of God in your life that, um, and to use that when you're here, that you disperse the fragrance of that grace of God. There is something that God has put a richness within your spirit. And it's like, uh, you know, we've all used air freshener. And that's shh, we've all used air freshener. There's something in your heart that releases the, the fragrance of God, the, the maturity of God. You, where you walk amongst the people, you release the fragrance to people. You release the joy to people. You release that Christ. In. The Bible says to disperse the, the fragrance of the Lord in every place. And that's wherever you go, the Lord wants you to know this, that there is something in you that disperses the fragrance of the Lord. But if you're not aware of it, you're probably kind of, okay, you're, you're, but if you're, you won't understand it so much. But if you're just aware of it, just be yourself and love Jesus and love people and you'll be a minister of the gospel wherever you go. And you will, I see you as a great pillar. I know you have other responsibilities, your work and stuff like that, but I see you as a pillar in this church. And there's like certain pillars that hold up this building and you're one of the pillars that hold up the building and disperse that fragrance of the Lord wherever you go. So be blessed, Alex. You're a great man. You're a great man. Thank you very, very much, everyone. I'll stay behind if you need me to pray for anyone afterwards. I would love to pray for you, with you if any of you have any particular needs you want to pray for. But continue to do the work well and, um, and to carry the work. And, uh, well... I forgot to mention to you, and I, and, um, I just couldn't find them, but the, there's some conference brochures. We have a conference on at the end of July. It is our, our leadership conference for all of Europe. And uh, it's in Brighton. We have got, I think, some of the most extraordinary speakers. One coming from America called Obed Martinez, um, and the other guy is John Cameron. They are extraordinary people, preachers, extraordinary and if you can all make it to our church, our family conference, it's our family conference in Brighton, um, you're really, really, really welcome to come down to that. I know it costs a bit to come down there, but, but you will be blessed, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And uh, we'll treat you with special, special warmth. Of course, you come from Peterhead. <laughs> Can't give you good fish and chips as good down there as here, though. But God bless you and um, look forward to seeing you around. Keep up the good work. Thank you.
That was just awesome. Guys, uh, a steam coffee downstairs. Don't rush off. Spend some time together. Bless you guys. Wasn't that a phenomenal day, eh? I feel really, really encouraged. Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you.